And David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it. For the oxen stumbled, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah, and that place is called Perez-Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Geatite, and the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Geatite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and fatted animal. And the David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished the offering, the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all the people the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed each to his house. And David returned to bless his household. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as a prince over Israel the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I should be held in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the freedoms that we have just to gather together at the beginning of a week to worship you, to be encouraged by each other. Lord, to be reminded of the truth of your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just remove any distractions. Help us be open and encouraged by your word today. Lord, be with those who are struggling emotionally and spiritually and physically. I pray that you just strengthen them. God, give them your grace. Help them to know that you are with them. Lord, help us not to fear, but just to rest in you. And thank you for your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
This passage, if you just read it, it challenges your view of God. and, And what box do you put God in? And to the degree that you get the box wrong will determine the presence of God you will experience in your life. I have a little box in my office, and it sits there. Um, and it's been sitting there for a long time, and I've put some things in there. But I've gotten the box wrong because I bought some water, and I was going to put my water in my little refrigerator box, and I opened it up, and I realized I didn't put anything in the box for a while, and I had uh, caked on top of the box this week um, ice that thick. Uh, the box was just wrong. I, I was not dealing with the box right. I, I had to thaw the box so I could properly use my refrigerator in my office this week. And, and that's how I think if we're not careful with our own lives, we have to make sure we don't put God in a box and make sure we use the box wrongly. You can have a lot of things, but if you don't have the power and presence of God in your life, you'll be wandering and roaming spiritually. There will be no dance in your life. No enjoyment of God in your life he demands. We're getting into February or November as a church. Pretty soon the holidays are going to come up and the busyness of it all. We're trying to figure out everything and it's going to be tossing and turning. We have a lot of things that are on our plates. And this morning I just want us to look at this passage and our God in a box and just ask us to catch our breath and to calm our hearts and consider our course. And we're going to do that by three ways. We're going to look at the way of the ark, the warning of the ark, and the wonder of the ark. David has become king. He, he's the king of Israel. He, he is ex- excited about being king. And 2 Samuel chapter 6 says he gathers all these people, 30,000 people together, to bring the ark of God back to Jerusalem back to the city of Zion, back to where, where David's home was, and have a, a house and place for God. So what's the ark? What is the ark? The ark was this little box made of wood. The nation of Israel, had God had them make, because about four feet long and two feet wide, and the top of it was the mercy seat covered in gold, and inside the ark was Aaron's staff, the, the ark, on top had two angels of cherubim covered in gold, and it was the place of God's Shekinah glory. God's presence was with the people when they made the ark. It, was, it wasn't that God was in the ark, but his presence was with them when they had the ark. And so when they carried the ark, and they stepped into the Jordan River with the ark, the, the waters split. And then about 50 years prior to this time when David became king, Eli had two sons, and he said, you know what, let's take the ark with us to fight against the Philistines. The presence of God. Let's take it with us. And so they took it with them. They weren't supposed to. And they lost the ark. The Philistines captured the ark. And for almost 50 years now, many, many years, the ark has just been sitting on the inside of Israel. Because the Philistines took it. They put it next to their god, Dagon. And they said, uh, we've now captured the god of the Israelites. And they walked in the next morning. And next thing you know, Dagon's god has fallen over. He's, his head's fallen off. And so the Philistines are freaked out by this. So we don't want this anymore. So let's get, out, get away. So they put it right inside the border of Israel. And it just stayed there. The whole time it just stayed there. The ark of God, which, was the, which represented the presence of God for the nation of Israel for years now, has just been sitting just inside of Israel, and Saul, the whole time he was king, never really went to get it, never spent any time thinking about it, never really mentioned it. But now 
David, when he's become king, he says, I want the presence of God. I want to go get the presence of God in my life. And he did it for two reasons. One, first of all, he did it for the political reason. Because he knew that for years the, the Jews had rallied behind the ark. This was the presence of God. And so he knew with all the tribes together, they would rally them to the worship of the one true God. And having the ark in Jerusalem would rally the tribes together. But he did it also for a personal reason. Because it says in 1 Chronicles 15, when he, when he sang, when they brought the ark, the ark back to Jerusalem, David sang a song, and it said his song was, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek, seek his presence continually. David wanted the presence of God. This was God's presence. Do you remember when you had God's presence in your life? Were you really new that God was with you? When you felt it, you experienced it, there was a dance to your Christian life where you're like, yes, I love Jesus, I love God, I love what God's doing in my life. Do you remember when you had that experience, that, that presence of God in your life? And do you still have it now? Or has it been lost for a while? And you've crowded your life with so many other things, so many other things that are important and filled with busyness, but you don't sense the presence of God in your life. David wanted the presence of God in his life. Do you have that sense of God? Is your life a gospel dance? Or is it lost somewhere? And, and you filled up your life with many other things. David understood the importance of having the presence of God in his life. It was God's Shekinah glory. It was his Power. It showed his kingship. It showed who is sovereign over the nation. Whose presence do you have in your life right now? Is it just you? Or do you have God's presence? The way of the ark tells us we need to handle this with care. This presence of God is what we need. It's what, if you're a believer, you once had. And if you're following Christ Closely, It's what you constantly long for. That's what you really want, just to know that God is with me. I have God's presence. I have God's favor in my life. This is what David wanted, and he brought a whole group of people, it says, to go get it. He, he gets 30,000 people. He puts this big group of guys together, and they say, let's go down and get the ark. And they went down to Abinadad's house, and he had two sons, Ahio and Uzzah. And they're celebrating. And this is a noisy procession. They, they get down there, they put the ark on this new cart, and they start walking down, and there's this loud celebration. The people are rejoicing. This is big news. The people are singing, they're dancing, they're having a great, wonderful day. They've, they've got the way of the ark, and they're heading it back to where it belongs. They're so excited. It's beautiful. The whole nation's watching this and celebrating this. And all of a sudden, as it going, it's going back on this cart, they come to a spot, and the, the mules, they, they, they start to stumble. And Uzzah just reaches out his hand, and he touches it, and he's dead. And all of a sudden, everything just changes completely. It would be like when the Challenger space shuttle exploded. The whole nation was watching. This was good. We are, there's great progress. Look at this great celebration. Look at all we've done. And then, Boom. This great celebration instantly went to nothing. 
or 9-11, were all across the country. It was a beautiful Tuesday morning. It was a good day. And then, boom, the whole world is shocked. The nation's shocked. This is how David felt at that moment. There's a warning that comes with the ark. The ark is the presence of God. It's what we want. It's what we should long for. It's what you had if you're a believer at one time. And it's what you still do have if you're walking with God. The presence of God. And it brings a dance to your life. But there's a warning to this. David goes and he gets this ark. And, and we, we all react to this. When you read this, and many people don't like God because of this story. But the, the good news about God in the Bible is that God does not cover up things. This would be not the way to market yourself if you weren't real. You would not put this story in the Bible if you thought, oh, I'm not, I don't want to throw people off of how good I am. But God doesn't do that because God knows who he is and he has the Holy Spirit write this. So Uzzah is there, he's marching along, they see the ark, and he goes to touch it. Why does God kill him? Because this is what people will say. See, this is why I don't like God. Because God does this. You, you make one little mistake and boom, you're, you're zapped and you're dead. I don't like God because this is what God does, people will say. Or, or I don't want a God like that, who if I have to be so afraid of making one mistake, he's going to zap me and kill me. And so I don't want that kind of God. And this is just the way God is in the Old Testament. That's how God is. I don't want anything to do with him. Well, We've got to be able to think a little deeper than that. Why, why would this happen? Why would God do that to Uzzah? It wasn't like the Ark of the Covenant was a magical box filled with magical powers that if you touched it, it would glow or give you great powers. That wasn't what it was. What, what happened here? Why did God do this at this time? Because here's the thing. More than just Uzzah touched the Ark. They put that ark in a cart somehow. David might have touched it. Other people touched it. They had to move it a couple times to get there. So why is it at this point, after other people have already touched it, why is it at this point that God says when Uzzah goes to do it, he reaches out and he dies? Why is that? What's behind that? I think what's behind that, the warning of the ark. The ark is the holiness of God. It represented who God is, his holiness and his righteousness. And that he was set apart from us. And that God's grace was what brought him into the people in the presence of God. So why would God do this? Why would he let one person who the natural reaction was to go out and touch it. Why would he do that and kill Uzzah at this time? I think the reason God did this is God was showing the people. For all of them to see this nation of Israel who had kind of wandered a little bit. David had wandered. He'd taken many more wives than he should have. The people had worshipped some other gods. The last king they, they had saw went and talked to a witch. The people were wandering. They were kind of filling their lives with other things. And now at this point, God kills Uzzah. And I think the reason is, is because God wanted us to see that sin is very serious. Sin is a very serious thing. God would not have killed Uzzah if God could have said to Uzzah, hey, Uzzah, listen, um, I know you made a mistake, and so I want you to follow my ways. And if you'll do that, I wouldn't kill you. God, God would have done that for Uzzah. 
But Uzzah was a guy who grew up around the ark. For over 20 years, the ark had been in his house. His grandfather had it in there. He was raised by the ark. Uzzah was a guy who was very religious. He had grown up where the ark was. He had grown up around the presence of God. And I'm sure when you are in the... He was around a religious house. The ark was there. He did all the religious things. His, his father told him about the ark. He knew what the ark was. You don't have the ark of the covenant in your house and not go over to grandpa's house and say, hey, what is that? Hey, grandpa, what's this? How does this work? Why is it this way? That's a, that's a story you would tell your family. Listen, what we have in our house for years is the ark of God. This is where the presence of God is. Uzzah knew all about God. Uzzah knew everything there was to know about God. Uzzah just didn't care about God. Uzzah became so familiar with God that he said, you know what, it's really not worth it. He was very religious, but he didn't have the presence of God in his life. God is very compassionate and very gracious. And if there was a way for Uzzah to wake up to the reality of God, he would have given Uzzah that chance. But Uzzah is not that kind of guy. Uzzah is a guy who has despised God. And Uzzah says, as he's walking around, he puts the ark on the cart. They knew better. And he's walking, the ark starts to stumble. Uzzah thought that it would be better for me to touch the ark than for the ark to touch the mud. I'm a good enough guy. I'm religious. I know all about this. Me touching the ark is better than the mud touching the ark, and God says no. You can be as religious as you want to be. You can do all the things that you want to do. You can do everything you can to try to earn God's favor and earn God's privilege. You can come to church often. You can have all the knowledge in the world, and your heart can be far from God. That's where Uzzah was. He was an absolutely religious person filled with with pride. He thought he was good enough to touch and save God. He thought he could be, he would be justified by all his knowledge about God, all his knowledge about the ark. Sin is very serious, and God says, no, there is nothing that you can do to earn favor with God. There's nothing you can do in your knowledge to earn a right heart. Sin is very serious, God says. And I'm set apart, I'm holy. And he used that moment to teach the nation of Israel this. The warning of the ark is that sin is very serious. But also the warning of the ark is that God can't be managed. Here's what Uzzah thought. He thought he could manage God in this. He could control the box. He can control things the way he wants it. And he'll just fix it his Way, Uzzah was a bitter person because he thought that if I do all these things, God has to bless me. For 20 years, my family's had this ark. For years, it's been in our family. God's got to bless us. And now if I protect it, then David, the king, is going to see that and he's going to put me up in a place of power, in a place of position. He was a man filled with pride and very bitter. Because if you think you can manage God, that's how you'll be. You'll be bitter because you'll do things and you'll try things and you'll show up at places and you'll do things. You'll think, God, now you've got to bless me, God, because I did this. I managed my life. I did this for you. And God says, no, it doesn't work that way. That's the warning of the ark. And there's a moment of grace in this. Because it says, after this took place, David was mad. He was angry, it says. 
And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. This was, this was grace in David's life. This was good for David. What was David mad at? Was he mad at Uzzah? No. Was he mad at God? I don't think so. I think David was mad at himself. He knew about the ark. He knew how the ark was supposed to be carried. It says that in 1 Chronicles 15. They they knew how the ark was supposed to be carried. It wasn't supposed to be put on a cart like the Philistines did. We don't do things the way the world does things. David knew that, but he still, for some reason, he didn't speak up. He didn't say, no, we can't carry it that way. David said, okay, I'll, I'll go along with the crowd. I think David was angry at himself that here was this king. He's trying to establish his kingdom. He's got all the people watching him. This is supposed to be a great moment for the king. And then, boom, it's all ruined. His big celebration, his big bringing the ark back to God is done because Uzzah's dead. And David's angry at himself because he knew better. And he's fearful about God. And he says to himself, how can the ark of God come to me? And this is good for David. It's a moment of grace in David's life. Listen, if you don't think sin is serious, and you think you can just do what you want to do, or you can manage God, or you can manage your life, what you need to hear is the warning of the ark. The ark is to be, the presence of God is to be handled with care. And if you think that you can just keep sinning, keep doing what you want to do, and God's going to give you his presence, his blessing, and you're wrong. And God says, put your hand down. Quit trying to do it on your own. You're, you're no, there's nothing you can do to earn my favor in your own strength. And you can't keep doing your own way and not think that I'm going to judge that and deal with that. So put your hand down. And David has a chance to have grace in his life. It's dark. It's not a good place to be in. He, he's a miserable king right now. This was supposed to be his moment. This was supposed to be his celebration. And now Uzzah's dead and David's afraid. This God that he thought was a little more tame, a little more under control, has totally blown his mind. That God will, God's not going to be messed with. God will hold back his wrath, but it will be coming out. He, he will judge sin. We will not get away with it. And David knows this, and he's just torn. And he says, listen, so that they, they see this guy, Obed-Edom, and it's kind of like these 30,000 people. They look at the dead guy, and they're like, oh, okay, let's get it over here. Take it. It's yours. Let's get out of here and send to Jerusalem. That's pretty much what happens. And they're all thinking, this guy's dead. But that's not what happens. David goes back to Jerusalem. He's trying to figure out God. His concept of God has been blown. How he thought God operated, how he thought God worked, it, it, it's totally different now. And for three months, he's not sure what to do. He is, God has blown his mind. And then somebody comes back to him and says, listen, Obed-Edom's family is just booming over there. I mean, it is unbelievable, the blessing of God that's going on down there. And David rejoices. This is good news. It's the wonder of the ark. Because the holiness of God is our hope. If God 
can't blow your mind. You don't have a God worth serving. If your God thinks always the way you think, then that's not a God. God is greater than we can imagine. And David has been left to try to think, what is this God going to do to me? Because this is a holy and just God. And the wonder of the ark is the holiness of God is our hope. Because God is holy, because God is righteous, because God is just, he made a way for us to be in relationship with him. So the bad news is actually part of the good news. David doesn't think the ark can come back to him. He's, he's angry. He's not sure what to do. So he asks, how can, the Lord, how can the Lord come to me? How can I be in a right relationship with God? How can I have God's presence with me? And so the bad news is good news. If you don't realize how deeply your sin goes, you'll never be able to reach out for help. If you don't know how much trouble you're in before a holy God, you'll never be able to get any rescue. And if you think you can continue in sin as a follower of God and think that God's going to allow that, you are not going to have any good news in your life. Because God is a holy God. He's been set apart. And so the bad news of this is good news for us. So we see that there's, a, there's hope for us. And so what does David do? He, he, he celebrates this. He rejoices. And he says, let's do it again. So he gets all the people. They go down there again. They do it right this time, it says in First Chronicles. They get the Levites, and they carry it properly. They get all the, the proper, they, the, the way to haul the ark back to Jerusalem. They, they do it all right this time. And David is a humbled man now. Before, he was, he was not in full understanding of worship of God. But now he comes back a humble king before God. And does, it says, so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of obed to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, and this is how we know that David got it this time, that he wasn't doing it in his own strength. This time, before they even moved and they had all the right things, David sacrificed an ox and a fatted animal, and David danced before the Lord. Why is that good news for us? David understood something that was, even though just kind of a, it, it may have been a shadow to him, he understood something about God, that his sin and the nation's sin separated them from a holy God. They needed God's presence in their life, but they had to be and follow God on God's terms. They had to take God at his word and take God at his terms in obedience. And David realized that, you know what, nobody can just come together. There has to be some sacrifice to be made to be in the presence of God. Something has to die. Blood has to be shed so that there can be a relationship between God and man. And this time, David says, I'm not going to do it my own religiosity. I'm not just going to try to do it my way and just my knowledge. This time I'm coming back to God humbled and realize that there is nothing in myself that I can do to be in a right relationship with God. There's nothing in myself that you can do or I can do to be in the presence of God because of sin. Our sin has so separated us from God that something has to die. And David realized it this time, and he sacrificed an ox and a fatted animal, and then he danced before the Lord because he knew this is grace. David didn't deserve this. He didn't deserve to have the presence of God in his life. He, di he didn't deserve it at all. 
And so he danced and he danced with great joy and wonder that God would allow him to be in relationship with him. Now he's the king. And his wife sees him out the window dancing. Just dancing circles. Not caring about anything. About what anybody thought of him, about what anybody said about him. And it says, this is Michael. Instead of David's wife, it says Michael, Saul's daughter. And it says it a couple times to remind us that Saul and David had two different hearts. And Michael decided to follow her dad's heart in this situation. That's not dignified. That's not dignified to just let be humble. It's not dignified to dance that way, to, to submit yourself to God's word and to God's way. That's not what, you're the king, David. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be down with the, the peasant people dancing that way. And David comes to her and he, he tells her why he's celebrating. And David said to Michael, in verse 21, And the David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as a prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. And I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. David was overwhelmed by the grace of God in his life. He was a humble king. He realized that it was good news that he could have the presence of God. It was nothing that he did, nothing that he could do, but God chose him before the foundations of the world. That's grace. That's good news. That's taking God at his word and taking God at his terms. But how is that the gospel for us? How is that good news for us? The ark pictures Jesus. On top of the ark was the mercy seat. And in the tabernacle, when you'd come into the tent of the tabernacle, there was an altar, the only piece of furniture, the altar. A sacrifice would have to be made, and then they, they'd kill the, the lamb, and then the, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies, and he would sprinkle the blood over the mercy seat so that the people could be rescued. Well, Jesus is our sacrifice for us. Jesus is our rescuer. Jesus, for us, He's all the things that the pictures, that the ark demonstrates for us. If you want the presence of God in your life, then you have to know Jesus. And you have to go hard after Jesus. And you have to obey Jesus and see what Jesus wants from you and follow what Jesus says. Because Jesus left heaven, he came to earth. To live and die for people who had no hope whatsoever. There was nothing good in you. Have you forgotten how sinful you are? Or has it been so long you think, you know, I'm really not that bad. I deserve the freedom to worship. I deserve to have Christian radio. I deserve to have the Bible. I deserve to have people treat me well. I have to deserve all these things that God has given me. No. The Bible says we don't. We are so sinful. We are without any hope whatsoever. But Jesus came. He lived perfectly. He lived the life that nobody else could live. He went to the cross and was sacrificed on the cross for us. The one person in all the world who deserved and earned the presence of God on the cross cried out to his Father, Why have you forsaken me? He deserved God's presence, and he didn't get it. Why? So it was 
us who don't deserve God's presence can get it. Jesus died for our sins so that we could have hope. What's your picture of God? Is God just in the box in your life right now? He's just off to the side? He's not really the center thing of your life? He's just kind of a nice, fuzzy feeling. You go to church, but deep down you know that, man, there was a time. There was a time when I felt the presence of God. There was a time when I was close to God. You can have it again. It's through repenting, turning back, and seeing Jesus for who he is, and saying, I want you more than anything else. I want you more than anything else. So when the world looks at me, they will say, you're crazy. You're beside yourself. That shouldn't be. That's not the way you're supposed to live life. You're not supposed to be that joyful. You're not supposed to be that loving. You're not supposed to be that generous. You're not supposed to be that kind. You're crazy. But the Christian would say, no. What you don't understand is I don't deserve anything. Someone took my place. Someone died on the cross for me. Someone gave me hope. And I will become more ridiculously in love with Jesus than this. Because I want the presence of God in my life. Do you want God's presence? Do you want it again? Do you want a dance in your life? You have to do it God's way, in God's terms and obedience, and follow him with a heart fast after God. And it, it can happen. It can happen this afternoon. You could go home today and say, man, I just... My life is so filled right now. i got all kinds of things going on in my life, and I just don't have the time to get things right with God. I don't have the time to stop. You do. You do. Jesus had the time to come and die for you. And we are called to say, Lord Jesus, what would you have me do? And God will respond to that. Because of what Jesus did for us, it says in James 4, 5, Or do you suppose it is no purpose that the Scripture says... He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You want the presence of God in your life? and your life isn't the Christian dance and joy that you want it to be, it's possible. Because God loves to respond to the humble center sinner. And he goes, there's grace upon grace upon grace available. Don't put God in a box, but trust him with your life. Stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean singing
Let me sing that first verse again. I stand amazed. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And wonder how he Thank you. 